Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 217. Uh, this is a conversation with poet and theatre performer, writer Freya Daly Sadgrove. I mentioned this before, um, she was going to be my guest right around the lockdown, right around when we went into lockdown, and so that podcast didn't happen. And so this is my first conversation with someone outside of lockdown. The last couple of weeks I've shared interviews that happened earlier in the year and were just sort of held on to for eight or nine weeks. This is a brand new conversation. It's the first time we'd actually met. We had um, we had performed together on the bill in January of this year, which seems so long ago, at a, a bushfire fundraiser for Australia. And um, I had read her book, Head Girl is the name of her first book of poems through VUP, and it is a mind blower. I've read it several times and I I love it. And I wanted to meet her and chat to her. And uh, yeah, we talked briefly about the idea of maybe doing a a Skype or a Zoom conversation or a phone conversation in lockdown. And then she said, oh, if not, I'll just see you on the other side. And I said, yeah, let's do that. And so we did. So she came around to the house a couple of weeks ago. We recorded this conversation. It's a big old chat about poetry. She reads some poems. Um, There's a lot of talk about mental health. There's a lot of talk about uh, looking after yourself and I guess the toll of creativity. Uh, All all regular recurring familiar themes in this podcast, I know, but I think this is a pretty deep chat. There's also um, a bit of conversation about lockdown because this was the first time I had spoken to someone um, that had gone through it, and that we were, uh, you know, we were going to meet on the previous, the other side of it. So that was interesting to me. So the first thing you're going to hear after this introduction is just Freya reading one of the poems from her book. When I have poets, I sometimes like to start the conversation that way. So the first thing you'll hear is her reading, and then we move into my conversation with the amazing talent Freya Daly Sadgrove. Dystopian novel with me is the central character. In the future, everyone in the world is depressed. It is known as the global down buzz. In the future, kissing has become lowbrow art, theatre is generously funded, and is performed on outdoor plinths so high that no one has to watch. In the future, you can have surgery done to invert your eyeballs and rig lights on the underside of your skull. In the future, people tell the truth. They tell it energetically and all the time. It is almost grotesque. In the future, during sex, couples scream the names of other people over and over until climax. Then they hold each other and cry. In the future, what youths do at parties is they just get together and hurt. Wow. Like physically. With injuries. New injuries. In the future, at cafes and restaurants, instead of a steady hum of chat, such as we in the present day are accustomed to, there is a sort of grating sound. Everyone contributes their own groan and finds that it builds a sense of community. And where are the children? In the future, they are educating themselves and each other, They are gathering in town squares and on the banks of rivers, at intersections, on hills, under bridges, and in the gardens of strangers, and they are just watching and making notes. What else? Ah, in the future people embrace the ageing process. 
beauty products contain more acid. And in the past and the future, people began a practice of pulling out their adult teeth at 21st birthdays, which they would then gift to city councils, who used the teeth to build great monuments to peace. In the future, this practice continues, but was less anaesthetic. As for the monuments, they have got so tall. One other thing I know about the future is that in the future I am dead. The coroner's report says I buried myself under one ton of beanbag beans and asphyxiated. Now, <laughs> now I um, we, we've only just met, <laughs> and I invited you round to for the podcast, and then I said uh, after a very quick couple of minute chat, just read something. And I've done that before to people. I think it's quite a fun way to start because if if someone doesn't know your work, they instantly get your voice in terms of your you know, your actual writing voice as well mm. as your speaking voice all in one. So, yeah. and they can switch off now, <laughs> perhaps, or whatever. But also, I read that poem again last night, and I, I actually saw you perform that poem. So I, I knew it existed, you know, even before I first read it in the book. But when I read it again last night, uh, knowing you were coming around, I thought, gosh, you could have actually just, like, <laughs> if there was ever a post-pandemic... <laughs> poem in terms of particularly anything out of your book that could be yeah, the one right it definitely is <laughs> it's really yeah i i haven't um i haven't read that poem in a little while either it definitely has um a lot of little little touch little touch points with, and, and you read that while my dog was balancing his tennis ball on your knee <laughs> which for, was making for, for me, quite a bit of it which was making me laugh a lot yeah, yeah oh my gosh so it's nice to meet you and i loved your book and I um, and we were going to do this. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. And, and it, yeah, and there's going to be lots of this sort of stuff going on with people now. But um, you were actually, I think, scheduled to come around pretty much the day of lockdown level four. Yeah, I or think the day so. before one the of day the two. Before, it was yeah, really. It was pretty much. I was. I can remember thinking, like, oh, do I cancel this or do I just wait and see what happens? And then... That feeling. Yeah. Remember and there that was that, that was happening a lot. I'm still... Yeah. I, I had an eye test scheduled as well, which mm. I only got to, you know, uh, and I'm waiting for new glasses as a result and all of that. And so madness. But yeah. so you were going to come around, but we hadn't met and we have only just met, but we, we were on the bill at the start of the year and a thing. So I did see you read. Oh, yeah. That um, variety for fireys thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Fun. yeah, it was fun. Good time. Yeah, and then your book came out just sort of after that. Yeah, yeah. Thirteenth yeah. um, of February, I think it was, which feels like <laughs> two the years ago. Deep past. And you also have, and we'll get into this, but uh, in terms of the performance stuff that you do, but you're also. Um, an artistic victim of the pandemic. You, you had a, a show scheduled that that was coming up probably just after around we were, when we were going to first talk that yeah. you had to pull the pin on. Yeah. So what's happened with that? Is that just permanently? Well, it's so weird because like when it was first when I was first realizing that I'd need to um, that I'd need to cancel it, um, I was like, oh well. I'll, I'll turn it into something digital and then I was like absolutely not um it took I don't know it took a little it took a moment for me to kind of realize how I don't know it took a moment for everyone to realize what doing things digitally would would kind of mm. what effect it would have and whether it would work and sometimes it does and sometimes it really doesn't and I think the show is really going to be something that 
needs to be live it's it's totally about connection with an audience which I have discovered is so impossible on the internet um like people are managing really good stuff but it's just not it's not the same doesn't work with with some things I think yeah yeah um but also I mean now I've so I was in a little bit of a a bit more of a hurry to to stage it uh in the past because Mm, um mm. because I was um intending to sort out a a a bit of a tour you know so I was going to go over to Edinburgh in the UK and do some of it over there and so I kind of needed to have it up on its feet yeah yeah a decent amount of time ahead of that but now I've got heaps of time and I'm like I still want to make the show I still want to put it on but um but my whole attitude Mm. to everything to the book especially is quite different now Mm. um but also I feel like I've got heaps of time now and that's actually a good thing I'd like to um like apply for a bit more funding probably see what I can do and make it really um, really tight instead mm. of mm. What, what it was going to be, which was a little bit... And so, yeah, because some, you know, the the online-only presentation of uh, house concerts and readings and things, it has, I would say, it's kind of worked okay for yeah. a lot of literary things. Yeah. You know, a lot of readings and literary festivals have gone quite well yeah. in terms of their, you know, you, the Auckland writers thing that they're doing every Sunday morning is great. Yeah. Where you just um, dial in and watch it and it's kind of like you don't get those pesky questions from <laughs> idiots at the end and everything wraps up and it's less awkward. Yeah. But um, what you want, you probably want a bit of the awkward I definitely <laughs> do, yeah. Yeah, also I'm like, yeah, it'll be, the show is quite theatrical mm. because that's my my the other half of my mm, kind mm. of um, what do you say <laughs> um <laughs> um output well that's what i was interested one of the things i'm interested to know about is because i've i've seen you and heard you described as a a theater maker um and obviously and a poet and writer um what what came first and how have you how have those two things because clearly you you use them together but how have those two things developed separately and then merged Mm, um well both of them have always been a thing for me like since deep childhood because i was i was that kind of i was like you know so have you seen um have you seen the sack lunch bunch? John Mulaney and the sack mm, lunch bunch. Yeah, yeah. You know the kid who's like, pay attention. Yeah, that's me. That right. was my entire yeah, childhood. Yeah. Um, Wasn't that great? Oh god, I loved it so much, and also yeah. felt extremely called out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it with my friends, and we were all like, Freya. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I always, I was always like, I always remember wanting to be. Um, wanting to be a writer and an actor. Mm, they were mm. like, that was my... Well, let's um, go back. I mean, mm. you are a Wellingtonian. Mm. You grew up here. You've always lived here. Yes, I have. Yep. Forever yeah. and ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so actually, like, in terms of me growing... Well, you say forever person, and ever. I mean, that hasn't been that... 
I know, every, I know time's stretched because of what's happened this year already, but um, that hasn't been that, that long, right? But but what was, you know, what was going on for you as a kid? What were you instantly first interested in? Um, I was so into writing. I was into writing stories as a kid and plays, actually. Um, and then... I always talk about Laura Ranger in interviews because, like, I think someone just must have Laura's poems. Yeah, I remember so well. Yeah, oh my god, I was so jealous. Yeah, like, (laughs) like I just I think everyone was. I think a lot of grown adults want to be poets, were pissed (laughs) off, and and uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, And has anyone done a documentary about what? I can't find anything. (laughs) I I really want to know because she's such a I, to me, she is like a New Zealand icon. Mm. Um, but where is she? I want to know. Like, what she is she writing still? I need to know. Um, I mean, she was the youngest, probably the youngest published poet in the country. Certainly, the youngest um, Bill Manhire endorsed yeah. <laughs> poet. Yeah. And the book, you still see the book in secondhand bookstores and things. It's like imprinted on yeah. my brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some, I think, an adult would have just seen. Me as a kid who liked writing in this book that was a, a kid who had written a book mm. and was like, oh, you'll like this because it's a child and it's writing. And I was like, okay, um, extremely jealous, but also it, it did actually make me want to start writing poems. Well, I'm tr- yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly when it came out and stuff. Well, like, how were you introduced to it? I think I was eight and... When it came out. Uh, I don't know if it was when it came out or when when I found out about it, but it would have been around then. Maybe it had been out for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, I I think I was introduced to it in the library. I spent a lot of time in Karori Library as a child um, and sort of was had some librarian friends and I think one of them must have pointed it out to me. And I was like, okay... Well, okay, poems. Okay, I can do that. Um, and just started to try. But it is poems. such a classic thing that book. It is like, um, you know, the movie, the piano, or yeah. as, in, as you know, or I guess like the if you want, like the first time the All Blacks won the Rugby World Cup, or like relative yeah. to Edmund poetry, yeah. yeah, 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 or the Edmund Cookbook, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these things. But it is it is something like that. That's yeah, right. Like it's it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was really like even though my. Um, pivot to to starting to write poems was driven largely by jealousy. It was also um, it these... also was great, and then I discovered that I totally loved it, and I kept doing it. Were these vengeful Laura Ranger targeted poems? Not in the slightest. <laughs> no. no, they were really crap. They were really, really like I remember a lot of my first poems because um, I my because I. <laughs> And very, very supportive parents and teachers mm, in mm. that way that, like, I probably could have used a f- getting taken down a few pegs sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you remember other um, sort of similarly, like, nearly immediate touchstones? Like, in terms of names people dropped, you know, handed you a book of, or you should read this, you should check this out? My... Um, or that you found yourself? My neighbours... I had the best names in the world. Um, they gave me a book of uh, best New Zealand poems, the one that was edited mm. by um, Loris, Loris Edmund. Mm-hmm. 
Someone once told me it was pronounced Laurie, so now I'm scared every time I right, yeah, say yeah. But it is Loris. Right? I think so. Loris I, Edmund and Bill Sewell. Yeah. Um, which I... I've, I've always said Loris Edmund yeah, in that regard. Yeah. yeah. She's... Oh, I I love her. Well, I'm so glad that I've read some of it. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, but they that was one that I was kind of like... It was such a cool object as well. I like, and I thought I felt really like an important poet as a child to hold mm. on to this object. And there was a, there was this poem in it that I loved called "Watching Snow," which was written by Raymond. Oh, like oh, what's his name? Philip Raymond or something. I can't remember. Um, but I also remember that being like something that really touched me but also I don't think I I'm so bad like I'm actually quite bad at reading poetry not because um not because I don't love it but because I feel like you have to bring so much to it as a reader is in like it's in each and like a poem is so dense you know and it takes so much (laughs) I mean you have to bring something to everything that you read but like a poem is such a concentrated piece of mm. Mm, art I don't know what 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 you want to call it but um yeah I'm I've always been very um mm, I sh- I, I've always been like I know I need to read more poems every time I read poems it makes me want to write more mm, and it makes mm. me feel more in touch with my poetic sensibilities so it's just like come on come on Freya um but yeah, those were early ones, and then I had, and then and then I kind of went away from poetry for a little bit at the start of high school, and then I had the best English teacher that has ever existed in the world. I think he he now, I think he might be a principal in Australia now, just the best guy, um, who introduced me to, um, Carol Ann Duffy and oh, Sylvia yeah. Plath, right. and I was like, okay. Yeah, poetry's the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's kind of like being taught about the Beatles and Bob Dylan or something, you know, yeah, or Mozart they're like or... The, and like, <laughs> isn't it? They're yeah, like, they're yeah. so... Yeah. Um, yeah, they're like... They feel like kind of... Um, matriarchs mm. of poetry. Mm. And, and also the fact that they are women, you know, and, uh, um, and they're, so, they're so playful with... Especially, like, obviously, Caroline Duffy's so, like, the world's wife was such a, um, such a huge thing to have mm. as, like, a 16-year-old girl in a, and we were, I went to an all-girls school, and it was just, like, we all just suddenly, our feminism was awakened. In right, a, yeah, um, yeah. In a and there was a theatrical, way. uh, production of that. Did was you? there? Yeah, yeah, was it the... Uh, I didn't see it, but it was... Was a, it here? Yeah, there was, I think, Don McGlashan maybe oh did my the music God. for it. I think oh, I, my God. It was, a, it was a New Zealand festival oh, thing. Oh, I, no, I, did, I think I have yeah, heard of that. Yeah, and God. so, I, well, there you go. You've so answered up my alley. Uh, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, this is a perfect storm, but you missed that component oh, of that. Yeah. I wondered if that was part of your, yeah. I wish. Oh, yeah. my God, it would have been. Um, yeah, no, big... Um, those are my... Those were... They really got me into writing and experimenting with poetry again after mm. after a few years and then I was like this is what I want to do um my my auntie is a writer she hasn't um she hasn't done much writing in a while um but she did the 
Emma was Bill Manhire um, when I was about 13 and I was like, well, I'm staying in Wellington until I get to do that. Um, uh, and then I, when I eventually sort of faced the reality of university, um, I mean, I went, I went to Vic because I wanted to, to go to the IAML. And the first year I applied, I didn't get in, um, but all my friends got in to like the poetry undergrad courses and mm, stuff. I was mm. like, <laughs> but I became a better poet as a result. I love, I love getting my confidence knocked because it, it always makes me write better poems. I think. Yeah, I was interested in that with your with with your um, book because I kind of read it going. You know, I mean, I you know, age is irrelevant and all of that, and it, it, it's not really anyone's business how old anyone is. But I read it and went, okay, so this is a, a a a first official book from a, I guess, an established but establishing poet, an up and comer, is how VUP might describe you. Yeah. Uh, I thought the book was full of confidence. Cool. And I, <laughs> I, I it made me go back to like. Well, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like, I'm going to release a book this year. Like, cool. at the end of the year, it's, it, it's you know, it's happening. Like, it's, it's I think it's October. Who is? But um, with Cuba Press, yeah. Oh, lovely. And so that's, like, we're in the, when I say it's happening, or what I mean is it's being selected and stuff. So yeah. I'm in that process. And, um, and I'm going, like, you know, 20 years ago, I probably first wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And what a disaster it would have been. Like, yeah. like well, the whole thing, I mean, you know, like it would have, the process, the the possibility wouldn't have been there, but if it was, it's a bit like when you join a band, you think, oh, we're going to make an album, you, you write poems or any kind of writing, you think I'm going to re- release a book. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, and I... And it's, it's really important to get over that, though, and yeah. go, you know, like, the writing can exist without... Yeah, a book, and then you know who knows. Perhaps when when the timing is right. Yeah, but this wasn't the book you went into the IIML with or came out of that with. Was Not it? in the slightest. Yeah. it's so different. Which sometimes happens, but yeah. I think often I've talked to a lot of people that come from there. Often it is something the, shifts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I liked the book that I wrote in the MA at the time, but I was twenty one and. Um, yeah, I, it was so, it was quite saccharine, um, which is really funny, like, compared to this one, it was like, it, it had all the, like, um, fear of, fear of my own mortality stuff in there, and, um, and the same kind of obsession with relationships, but, um, but it was also very, very sweet, and I feel like this one is not so sweet, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I needed to write that one, get it out of my system, and grow from it. I lost a lot of... I mean, after, I think this happens to a lot of people, but after the MA, I couldn't write for like a year. Mm. Um, and Yeah, it seems to be a common curse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then what actually made me start kind of writing with some confidence again was I did um, TMI school with Hera Lindsay Bird, which is how I met Hera. Um, and also how I was like, oh yeah, I remember, I, I love to write, mm. um, and write, and also hear her, like, um, the way that she wrote poems and the way she writes made me be like, oh yeah, you can do whatever you want, which, um, which was so important for me to, to kind of take on board, um, 
and and then also the other thing that led to the book happening was I was kind of starting to gather a little bit of material and I was doing readings a little bit more frequently and then Holly um, Holly Hunter who worked at um, VUP at the time was like when are you going to write a book are, are you on in that process mm. are you in that mindset and I hadn't been but then I was like oh okay well if you're interested then that's something I can mm. have as an actual goal now and without it seeming like a pipe dream um, and so then I just yeah started to focus on it quite a bit more. And then I think from that point, it was about three years until the book actually came out. Now, some people uh, happily exist writing poetry without ever really wanting to perform or read it, or they get up and read it and they maybe aren't very good at it. Um, (laughs) Some people are excellent performers of poetry and then you read their words on the page and you don't care for them. Mm. Um, How did you, uh, you know, let's bring in this sort of, performance aspiration how did you decide you were going to start giving poetry readings like how did that come into play um it was actually during the ma i had a friend um who ran what were they called i can't remember what they were called but she she it was at the the radio station the vic radio station and they did um and then she she set up readings and asked me to be involved and I was like cool that sounds dope um sounds like my jam and really dug it um like the experience of reading because it's different to performing in a play like Mm -hmm. or even I don't know there's and it I don't know I don't know it just it just felt like I felt very right doing it and then I just got more opportunities to, and... And so you had some acting under your belt, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I actually... Yeah, I mean, I was always into um, acting, and then when I was in my last year of high school, I joined Long Cloud Youth Theatre, mm-hmm. which... So what lit the fuse there? Like, if you can trace it back to Laura's poems for poetry, were you... You know, when you were a kid, were you... Do you remember just staring at the TV watching movies, being obsessed with something that was happening on a screen? No, not screen so much. More, I don't know, I was obsessed with plays, and I don't even think I saw that many plays right. as a kid. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. school journals, man, yeah, it was totally yeah, yeah. school journals. Yeah. And I loved, um, I loved putting on a show, you know, I was that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I was going to say, some people can happily exist with the idea of writing theatre. I know a lot of people that are involved in writing theatre go into directing and some kind of acting, maybe a bit part or or maybe the the virtuoso talent, sure. (laughs) But some people are quite happy just being a writer and that's their medium. Yeah. You know, they write for theatre. I think that my... I don't know. I was always into, like, like showing off, showing something that I had. Mm -hmm. In fact, like... Um, at school, at primary school, we would always have, like, news um, where you could stand up and oh, yeah, tell the yeah, class about yeah. your news. And I did it you were one of those. every <laughs> every day, like, yeah. every single day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if I didn't have something to share, then I would make something up. Yeah. Um, but I usually just, I usually didn't make something up. Um, 
I usually could think of something that I wanted everyone to know, which was just, like, when I think about it now, like, over time I eventually realised I should let other people have a turn more, mm. which is... Um, <laughs> Isn't it funny how we can trace this stuff back? Oh, yeah. So I was talking to, I think, my in-laws the other day and talking about uh, something came up about content creating and being quick and, and good at it, and I was like, when I was in primary school... You had to write your story on your rough bit of paper, yeah. and then you got your good bit of publishing paper. Wrote it in your you neatest writing. Yeah, yeah, and then it went up on the board. Mm. And I just somehow, after a while, decided to cut the middleman out and just go straight to the publishing paper. Mm. And and my sort of proudest nerd achievement was one day I had filled the entire publishing board for the class myself. Oh my was, gosh! And, and done. <laughs> And done two, and I can talk about this because I, this is when I peaked. You know, I've done, nothing, I've done, I've really done nothing since. But I, um, I wrote two projects just for something to do in my own time about animals. Beautiful. You know, when I was nine or ten or whatever, and you know, then flash forward however many years, and I'm doing a daily blog. It's kind of like, well, there's no surprise. Yeah, there's actually no surprise in this. Yeah, that I, no there was some training that happened without realizing it was training and relative to you your story sounds a bit similar definitely i yeah i've just yeah i've just always i've always been heading in this direction and i and i want to keep heading in this direction Mm. i'm like writing a performance and as much as i can merge them with them still having their kind of the um what do you how do you say this like they both have their strengths and their kind of pureness and when I put them together it's like what you're saying when some people can perform their poetry Mm, in a way mm. that makes it magnetic but Mm. on the page it it falls short Mm. whereas I would like my poetry to have um, a real life on the page Um, and I also think that that is what informs my performance because um, and that's also part of being an actor I think in delivering scripts because um, you have to really connect with what the words are and the words have to be, you know, they have to come out of you in a in a natural way. Um, and you have to figure out how to do that. And that's really satisfying when it works. And so, and also because I just, I love doing my own stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, I'm so, I'm just, so, I'm so obsessed with myself, which is <laughs> terrible. I think I'm, I think I'm, I don't know, I'm growing and changing, but it's always been, um... I, I love performing scripts, but when I get to do my poetry, I'm like, I'm really like, this is, these are, when I write my poems, I'm thinking about saying them out loud, because that's how I, you have to hear them, you have to hear the um, kind of music of them or whatever, um, and it's such a joy to um, bring the bring the two together in such a, in a way that just feels like Everything I've always wanted to do, it's just, it's very cool for me. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to read something? Do you want to choose something? It feels like a good, a good time to punctuate this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll leave it up to you this time to, <sighs> to pick something. Okay, I might take a minute. To yeah, pick. that's... Um, it's really weird. Last night I was reading... Um, I was reading... I'm so insufferable. But I was reading some, po- some of my poems to a, a lovely lady that I'm seeing, and... Which is just, like, I I have to be like, can I read you some of my poems? <laughs> um, and it's just, 
it, I, I, I can't deal with the fact that I want to do that to someone, but, um, but she lets me, which is very, very kind. <laughs> um, but I think I'll read something from the third section. The other thing is that this book makes me feel friggin' sad now. Like, a lot of it I find very hard to read. Yeah, um, I bet. And I still have to... It's Because when I was actually writing them, reading them felt so, like... And sometimes it's... I mean, it still does. Um, but I have to kind of get more into a bit of a character, which is a bit of a stressful character to get mm-hmm. into. Um, but also some of the poems, the actual content, even though there's jokes in them, um, makes me sad about how I was, like, just... A, a couple of years ago um but so i gotta i gotta find the joy in them again um i think i'm you know Mm. get into these i think it's normal especially it's also exacerbated by lockdown i think i feel very yes i think people that were never jittery are and people that were always a bit jittery have found a reason to excuse themselves but yeah you know uh, need to add more jitters to their collection or something <laughs> you know like it's yeah it's definitely yeah so changed everyone hasn't it it really has um um i'll read one i haven't read in a while i think i really like the um kind of relationship poems at the end of the book even though they're some of the ones that make me the saddest um Let's go with... Let's go with one less place I can put my dick into. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. It's not like no one's ever referred to their dick as vitamin D before, but it worked embarrassingly well on me. Like, mmm, yeah, alleviate my depression, baby. Give me that simple solution. Exercise, sleep, Brazil nuts, and dick. You are so kind, the way you accepted me for who I am. Like, you can kind of pull off mouth herpes. It kind of fits your aesthetic. And you are so clever to have thought of sticking a kick me sign on my back when we were kissing. And you were so good at jokes. Like when I said, I love you. And you said, I love scratching my big balls. And aren't I so, aren't I so, um, ungenerous? Yeah, haha, plot twist. You're actually not the villain. It's just so easy to paint you in a really bad light. Like, so people can literally barely see you. Sorry, baby. What else can I do? Really, our narrative has been tolerable, almost charming. Like, the past, or a primary school rock band. And I wish everyone knew the diverse ways in which you saved my ass. I tell you I'm trying to undo everything I ever said about you in one breath and you laugh and ask if I can attach a handsome photo of you too. I wish I had the stranglehold on language that I pretend to have but my mother tongue is a massive museum of failures to express love and I'm just on a class trip making sketches for high school art. Language laughs at me not the other way around so there is no beautiful way to tell you how beautiful you made me while I was attempting to curb stomp your emotional availability. I wanted much more than what you could give. You thought it was love, what you weren't managing to do, because that's what I told you. But in fact, it was hate. It was hate that I wanted. Thick, luxe hate. The kind you can only do to someone who means everything to you. 
which is to say, the kind only I can do to myself. And I'm sorry, baby. You couldn't help. Oh. Did that make you sad to... Oh, what a <laughs> down buzz. Did that make you sad to revisit that one? Um, um. It's a weird one, because I'm really proud of it, especially certain bits. Mm. Um, but it's also like... Oh, it's weird to have that... Um, that that time in my life and those those feelings and um, how things were with this particular person. Um, it's just, it was, it is in the past now. Mm. And was there, what sort of process do you go, th- did you go through in terms of committing these things to, to publication? Well, I, it's all cleared with the person. Yeah. Um, I, I mean more for you. For me, like, I mean that that's that's a helpful nugget too. But I mean more for you. Like, you you know, did you anticipate that you weren't always going to feel the same way? So this was a document of a. I don't think I did, and, you, and possibly didn't know how quickly you might. Yeah. Feel different from how you felt. Well, yeah, it's so strange because last year, like, it was quite a protracted period of getting the book to publication it mm. was it was originally I was supposed to get them the manuscripts in January I think last year and I got it to them in June <laughs> well maybe it was July I don't know um but there were lots of things that held it up and a lot of that was to do with my mental health um but also I spent all of last year um doing quite intense therapy um which was really hard but also exceptionally effective and I um sort of reached the end of a big a big piece of kind of work um in January this year and was like and I'm just I'm just so much better than I have been for 10-15 years Mm. um more than that I don't know I can't even remember really feeling this kind of um okay with myself as a person mm, <laughs> which is mm. like which is so weird because this book is like I I was not okay with myself as a person and I was so desperate to kind of express that um like uh, it's so filled with with self-hate it's quite um it's yeah it's really weird I definitely have never I definitely never anticipated not hating myself mm. like that seems so extreme to me now that I'm like oh yeah I actually, I don't hate myself anymore which is I don't know if it will last forever um I don't anticipate that it will be mm. like uh, that I'll be this stable forever because I I have bipolar like I'm it's not set in stone but my meds are working and the therapy was really good and um and I just would never have thought that by this age I'm like Oh, I'm okay. I'm like I'm mm. not a I'm not a I'm not a criminal for having my personality. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I don't know. Where was I, where did uh, we come from? Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> well I was, I'm asking you about um the impact of oh, creating um, this book basically yeah. and, and how how quickly you in the scheme of its publication, how quickly you're feeling removed from the person that created some of these poems. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, well it that it just felt like what I had to do at the mm. time. It made me like writing the poems 
didn't make me feel better, but having written the poems made me feel better. And performing the poems gave me a sense of control over what was happening in my head in a way that nothing else ever would have. But reading it now, I am like, wow, I really, um, I really put a lot of stuff on the page about okay, <laughs> what so I was thinking. You know how sometimes there's a song you like, but there's really, when it comes down to it, there's one line in it that is the absolute killer and that's the reason you like the song or in an acting performance it's a very good performance or it's a very good piece of theatre or a movie but there's one line or one gesture one thing that a person does and you just go man that's the best yeah and that's such a special and it's different for all of us sometimes you can share that with people and they go yeah I'm blown away by that too Mm. but sometimes you seek we seek out different things which is why so there was a um you know I watched you perform I liked it. I I thought it was funny, and I thought you were funny and interesting, and I knew the book was coming out, and I was looking forward to it. When I first read this book, there was one single line in here where I went, fuck. What is it? And I was going to tell you that as soon as we started recording, and then I thought, no, I won't. I'll wait. And I've been trying to work out how I fold this into, <laughs> um, into the conversation, but we're sort of at a place where it feels like a good thing to bring up. So the poem, in general, I love, but... It was actually the first time I read it, it was getting to the the end of it. So the poem is, I'm so mentally strong, it moves me to tears. Um, And at the very end, the very end of the poem is, I have this folder in my computer of selfies I took just before I overdosed. I think they're cool, but I never get to show anyone. Yeah. And I was just like smacked in the face by that because I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I Yay. thought I thought you thought it was. Yeah. But it's devastating. Yeah. You know, it's absolute and I thought like there's a boldness. I mean, and to, to to go a little bit further back, the line before I mean I'm just tearing up your poem in front go of for you. It. But I love it. the 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 line in front of that is I would say all this about a fictional character, but why bother? Yeah. I have this folder in my computer of selfies. Uh, and, you know, we can keep going back through it to the, and, you know, maybe at some point I'll get you to read the whole thing so that um, my butchering of it uh, <laughs> can lay to rest. But, yeah, that seemed to me to be the devast, and it's right, and pretty much right in the middle of this book. Yeah. It really works like a hinge for me, hmm. reading it and rereading it. I'm like, well, I'm, I guess, first of all, what I probably wanted to ask you is how the fuck do you arrive at that kind of macabre honesty um i was yeah it was one of the later poems i i put in the book Mm. um and i was very scared of it but i Mm. loved it like Mm. i loved writing it it was like such a um i felt very powerful being able to put that stuff on the page Mm. um and i do think i do it's like i find it kind of a scary poem and i i very rarely read it Mm-hmm. Um, then in fact, the first time I read it, which was also the first time I read Tur Duckin, which was the last poem in the book, which is also quite kind of rough, mm. um, was at National Young Writers Festival in Australia, which is a festival I've been to a few times, and it was specific. It was at this event that was called Can I Laugh at That, which was like my dream event. <laughs> it was so good, and the lineup was incredible. Everyone read the most like like, my favourite thing, just so funny and so horrific. Like, just really personal, grappling with hideous stuff, but mm. in a way that you can laugh at if you if you um, 
if you approach it in the right way, I guess. Um, and it, yeah, it just felt like the, the only place I could read that poem for a while. And I've never shaken so much during a reading. I was so, I was like so mm. pumped up from how, <laughs> like, oh, it's a, it's a horrible poem. It's got like these, it's suicide jokes mm. that are, mm. um, that are, yeah, I don't know. It's, I feel glad that I, that I put it in there. I think it's one of, it's one of my favorite poems in the book. Um, but I, yeah, it is also like, I can't believe I did it, but also it had to be done. I think mm, mm. it does, it does feel important in the book. Um, the, you know, the separation of author and work kind of stuff. I wanted to, uh, really hammer home, like, um, the, the, the fact that it is me, um, but also, yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny to have written such a personal book, um, but that and that people will be like, oh, it's so honest and it's it's like it's all it's Freya. But I'm also like, well, actually, it's part of me. And each of these poems is only mm. it's not it's not my, the whole of me. Um, no, it's the it's it's the part of you that you're willing to reveal. Mm. Yeah, um, but you you almost are having fun and probably some sort of emotional crisis around that. Yeah. You know, yeah. around actually how much you're going to reveal. Yeah, I I really I really wanted to take it too far with a lot of the poems, like and with the book itself, I think. I was really like I need to push it further than it should be allowed to go mm. because I was feeling very like I wasn't allowed to do that I wasn't allowed to say the things that I wanted to say about how I was feeling, you know, because people don't like it. <laughs> people don't like it when people are um, suicidal. Yeah. Like, they don't like hearing about it. But I wanted yeah. to do it in a way that was like... Yeah, people like hearing that people are better. Yeah. They like that. Because <laughs> You're because, welcome, world. Because I, 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 I think it's, naively or whatever, I think it's because... Well, it makes you feel comfortable. Mm. We can invest in that. Yeah. You can play some part in that. Mm. But you can't play... Not many of us can play some part in hearing about people still struggling, mm. st just coping. Yeah. Or admitting to, you know, because, because so we, we, don't, we don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I go back and I look at this line or these lines and I just think, like, it's got... Well, it's got everything that we've been talking about so far in it. It's got, um, you know, you talk, you talk about being insufferable. Yeah. It's, it's there. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's there. It, the, the sort of um, irony and bittersweet humour is there. Mm. But it's also this frank acceptance and this frank kind of confession. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. very dark. I kind of, I think a, a big attitude in the book is that I wanted to prove to people why, like I wanted to, I wanted people to understand why I hated myself. Mm. And I wanted to prove to people that I was very hateable. But I also wanted that to be accepted, you know, yeah, like I, yeah. I wanted, um, 
yeah, these two, these two very contradictory kind of needs that I had were to be, to be forgiven for being so sad, mm, mm. Um, but also to be like, it's so justified that I'm this sad because I'm such a terrible See, person. one of the great literary and filmic devices is the unreliable narrator, right? Yeah. But I actually think you're kind of like, in this, your narrator might be a construct, it might be a, just a part of yourself, but... Um, as maddening as some of the material <laughs> is and, and some of the tone of voices, um, it was completely reliable to me. Like hmm. I, I believe this. I don't think, oh, well, that's, that's never happened. Hmm. I don't think of it that way. I go, this is a reliable narrator. Yeah, That cool. is, you know, is actually confronting themselves and that's what's confronting to us. Yeah, yeah. I really want to tell the truth. I'm so obsessed with telling the truth. Um, and there's, it's really hard to tell the truth in that, like, it's hard to express it, I think, especially when the, the, the truths I was trying to express were about horrible things. It's like, I don't know, this, the concept, a concept that, um, Hera introduced when we were doing TMI school was this concept of an emotional truth. Um, so there's lots of stuff in the book that's like just totally real stuff that's happened and totally real things people have said mm. to me and that I've said and that and conversations that I've had but also um, also you know a lot of the kind of figurative stuff also just feels completely true to me which is like obviously everyone's trying to do that um, but I was like oh, I always want to tell more of the truth um, and there is always more to tell um, which can get tricky when you're like trying to edit but um yeah I don't know I I wanted to take it too far and I feel like I often did um mm, you think that's a good example of it yeah would you read it yeah I'll totally read it even though I yeah I'm I can do it now I I really thought that I would never be able to and then I did that event felt really it was a very safe place to do that mm. yeah it was designed for it exactly it yeah. was and also just the community and the audience mm -hmm. was just so completely on board mm. like it was this event where everyone just kind of was like spent the whole time kind of half screaming half laughing like that kind of terrified laugh you know mm -hmm. which is i love it okay i'm so mentally strong it moves me to tears have you met me i'm like an internet video about my own personal hardships with royalty-free piano music in the background. I'm like a feelings gym for your married high school friend. Mmm, work that empathy. Once I left a suicide note for my goldfish. I'm like a goldfish. Goldfish have teeth in their throat. I'm like a beautiful rose in a decent man's garden, and a dumbass child has got their skin caught on my thorn. I'm like a house cat. There are no cat flaps, and I am glad. So are the neighbours. Once, when I was sleepwalking, I committed a murder. Once, I ate some glass. Once, I cut myself in a tender place when I was trimming my pubes with my weed scissors. Once, I clawed at my face and hands. Then I did it again. I swear I do enjoy my life. I do dig my sentience. I enjoy spending time. And I am trying to tell myself there are some things that are worth some thing such as a prize can i have a prize i'm serious can i have a prize sometimes i get feelings and i just can't wait 
to describe them to the therapist my mum pays for and to get her to say once more that she still wouldn't think I were evil if my mum didn't pay her. I would say all this about a fictional character, but why bother? I have this folder in my computer of selfies I took just before I overdosed. I think they're cool, but I never get to show anyone. Mm. Yeah. I like that poem. I still like it, even though it's that. I feel like I did what I was trying to do with it. Mm. It reminded me of, I love when, again, like a piece of art um, reminds you of another piece of art that's, mm. that's really not connected at all, mm. but it's but it, it, that Such emotional good... truth thing. It's about so an emotional response. So I, I, hearing you read that and me rereading it, I think of like some of these brutal Australian films I've seen where Ooh. you kind of go, I almost can't tell a person that's my favourite film because yeah. they're going to think I'm a psychopath yeah. because the, the character goes beyond unreliable narrator, goes beyond vicious person. But mm. there's... There's some beautiful, like, there was one a couple of years ago called Hounds of Love. There are several, but, like, the writer and or director is clearly showing some quite profound humanity there mm. through the ugliest, darkest, yeah. you know, characters. Yeah. yeah and I, I had that. a similar kind of response to that poem. Cool. So, that, yeah. That pleases me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about, um, I was going to ask you before you read that, um, but tell me then, since you mentioned therapy and working on yourself, can we talk a bit about that? I, I guess in the context of, I mean, you, you mention it in the poems, but ha- what influence has that had on your writing? Heaps, yeah. Um, largely because it's just a, a time where I just like think about myself so intensely in my past Um and memories and things that have led me to where I am. Um, yeah, I definitely, and yeah, sometimes I wish that I'd like recorded my therapy sessions because of, you know, it's all, you just learn so much about yourself and, and I don't know, I love to learn and I love to think about myself, but, um, yeah, like just figuring out, unpacking things, um, often was very kind of like um, inspiring or kind of opening something inside myself for me mm. and so I actually often like it was h- hard and horrible <laughs> but it would often result in me needing to like write something down to use because um, I was all about using um using myself to make those poems um yeah I don't know it's a huge thing it's it's just a it's just a thinking time and a and a clarifying time Mm. um yeah where I just learnt so much that I wanted to I did want to share um oh yeah it was such good therapy (laughs) It's so intense. It's so hard, but everyone should do it, I think. Um, yeah. Do you think, I mean, what's been your experience in in sharing with people the journey that you've gone on through therapy? Like, I feel like people are more, 
I'm just trying to think of in the in the time when I grew up, if you talk about going to therapy, you'd be probably yeah. punched, <laughs> laugh, laughed yeah. at, mocked. Yeah. Now people are starting to get that actually not only is there a, a, a braveness, a bravery around it, but that it's, you know, it, it isn't just to <clears throat> treat someone and quote-unquote cure someone yeah. or fix someone. It's a process. It's yeah. a journey. It, it is. Yeah. It's, um, well, I don't know. I've always had a thing. I read into things. I read into my life. I read my life like a story. Um, and I've had that since I was a child, uh, which has meant that I've taken on board lessons that should not have been lessons. Um, and I think a lot of people do that without kind of realising. Um, and, like, um, I just think it's so... I, I don't understand people who don't constantly think about themselves and analyse how they're thinking about themselves mm. and analyse how they're thinking generally. Um Although I, although you know it's fine, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't know. It seems very. I tell everyone everything. I don't. I don't keep secrets. Mm. Um, and the thing that is hard about the therapy that when I, when I'm talking to like my friends about it, the actual stuff that I'm dealing with, I'm often quite embarrassed that it is a thing that I need to deal with in such a like intense and expensive way. Um, but it, it is that I've, I've always like a small event in my life can change my entire mindset and, and I'll like, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll read metaphors into stuff that happens to me all the time and use it, and I have in the past, like, used it as a reason to um, hate myself or, um, or you know, yeah, reasons to um, to think in, in ways that are unhealthy. Um But what am I? What am I thinking? Um, yeah. So, but then doing therapy, I can do the same thing, but the other way. It's not like I'm. Um, yeah, it's not like curing. It's like reframing mm. these things so that I can learn a, a different lesson from them. And so this this type of therapy that I was doing is called EMDR. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. It's they, mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you, 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 eye movement um, desensitization and reprocessing. Mm. It was developed to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder, which I don't have. But um, my therapist kind of introduced an idea to me that, that our definition of trauma can be a lot broader than... Um, what you might generally mm. think mm. of and so um i so we used it we did a, f- a, a few different like memories you use kind of target memories and um uh like tease them out and it's so painful like it's ho- it's basically like having all of your horrible emotions about this this one thing um and everything attached to it 
um, and, and drawing that out and then just like teasing little holes in it and and um, like like brushing your hair if it's really naughty that's terrible <laughs> I'm supposed to be a poet um, I don't know it's 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 painful and then it and then and then if you kind of get it's so funny like the first time I like finished a memory um I just burst out laughing like I just cracked up because it was such a, it felt like such a cliche to have this eureka moment in therapy <laughs> where I was like oh it's a breakthrough yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but it actually was like this huge like some confetti was gonna come exactly from it was so it was so that um and I just I thought it was so funny and my and my therapist um also did we had a it's so great it's just like you but it's but what it was was me like basically changing this deep-seated belief about myself that I'd that had started with this tiny little seed and then I'd attached things to it and kept growing this big reason to to find myself repulsive or whatever um and it's just and it does it was so strange it was truly bizarre to like come to terms with the fact that that might not actually be the only way to look at it um to look at these these things that I read into so much but also they're like you know deep-seated things that I started developing in childhood mm. um that I needn't have so I want to ask um something and it might be quite naive of me to ask it but when did you become aware of all this in yourself? Like, when did you become aware that you, you you said before? How did you phrase it? You said something about accepting, basically accepting your personality. Mm. So when did you become aware that? You know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to stray mm. from using the word different or whatever, <laughs> but, but yeah. it, in, in, in the right context, it kind of applies that yeah. we, we see ourselves as different from other people. Yeah. Um. There were different stages, I think. Um. Because I had like a pretty idyllic childhood in many ways, mm. but also I was very sensitive and. Um, very and I was very aware of mortality like this is this thing that has really like plagued me and also um, have you drilled into a reason for that was there you know a partic- was there a particular uh, I don't know I think I I think when I was a, when I was a kid I started to f- feel very insignificant um, and I was I was quite scared of that. I don't know, like, you know, there's, there's certain things that had an impact. Like, my parents got divorced when I was six, which was actually, like, it was really good that they got divorced, but also I had, there was, there's always fallout, you know, mm. and, and certain attitudes that I had about, like, love and futility and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, on the whole, I was reasonably... I, I was a happy child, um, sort of. <laughs> oh, please tell um, me if you don't want to talk no, about No, no, I love it. I love to talk yeah, about yeah. myself. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't That's know. That's the cue that I'm writing on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then, like, when I, I, I had, like, a little bit of an angry phase where all my friends were, like, 
I learned that all my friends thought I had bipolar when I was about 12 years old. Well, like, obviously they didn't know what bipolar yeah, yeah, was, but yeah. they were like, Freya's bipolar, which is really funny because I am. Um, but at the time, I was like, whatever. Um, so when were you actually diagnosed? Well, so first it was major depression with dysthymia, which is known by some as double depression, which I thought was very funny, um, which is where you have major depressive episodes and then when you're not having a major depressive episode, you're just like generally super bummed out, <laughs> which was like crap. And that diagnosis happened after I had, like I knew I, I, knew I was very depressed for a while um, and like was, and then I started getting medicated but that was just with my GP and then I had this really big crisis which meant that I had to see a psychiatrist who was like this is what we will call your your diagnosis um and then like a few episodes later um it was kind of it became apparent that there was also mania involved but it's I'm bipolar 2 which is the mania's less intense and less frequent or mm. um yeah it's mostly a depressive um thing but also i don't know there's all kinds of theories and feelings about what a diagnosis actually like what kind mm, of mm. what's the point of having one but it was it was very validating for me to be like oh i do have depression because when i was a teenager i was like depression doesn't exist i'm just a crap person um just terrible um it's almost some kind of um quirky definition of depression. Yeah, exactly. Or, or something, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, I was, um, yeah, it was rough at high school. I was so depressed, but so, like, rejecting of whatever mm. that was. Um, and then, yeah, I think my mum thought I was bipolar for a long time before I was like, no, I'm not. I'm absolutely not. I'm so depressed. <laughs> so I'm just like, I've never been, I've never had the, um, I've never had this euphoric thing that I thought mania was. Um, but, yeah, it was it was really strange because I was actually... I was in Australia and um, and I'd been to this festival, um, uh, National Young Writers Festival, and I'd actually, like, gone over there in a very, like... It was a strange year, but I was like, I can do whatever I want. Um, and I realised when I was... It was, like, 2 a.m., and I could not stop thinking of awesome ideas. <laughs> and I was like, and I was just like, I, I couldn't sleep. Um, and I was just so excited. Um, and then suddenly I was like, oh shit, this is, oh, I think this is mania. Like, I, um, yeah, and then basically um, I got very obsessed with that being a thing. And, and then it turned out I was right, it was pretty textbook. Um, I don't know. Is this interesting? I don't know if yeah. this is interesting. Well, it, is, <laughs> it is. It is to me. If you want to, if you only if you want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I guess what I find interesting about all this is, and uh, in, in, in my role here is, you've chosen or um, something has chosen you to work in an artistic realm where you are open for several forms of criticism. Hmm. You're publishing poetry, which is uh, still looked at as sort of semi-elitist mm. and fringe. Yeah. Um, 
despite the fact that there's a really healthy local scene and, mm. and international scene. And I was, you know, when you were talking about that um, reading at that particular event and what a supportive environment it was, you know, I, re- I read some poems in pubs 20 years ago and you could just about get bottled if you didn't make people laugh oh, or, or if you weren't good enough and you never knew what that was. Yeah. And then I didn't do it for many, many years and then I went back to it and walked into sort of open mics in the wake of things like Lit Crawl mm. where people softly click their fingers <laughs> to support without interrupting, mm. where there is uh, quite a nice, I think, trigger warning at the start mm. around the idea that it's an inclusive environment and if people aren't feeling comfortable, they should not, you know, they don't need to feel like they need to stay if someone's... But, but the floor is open for people to say what they want to say mm. uh, and then just... You know, I did a lit crawl event one year, and 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 it was um, everything you described. Uh, you know, your event as in terms of just this audience that's brimming. They're just they're, they they're love pa- it. They love it. They're there because they want to be. Yeah, which is amazing. But you're still in in a world where, with all of that going on, you're still writing poems for the page and performing poems and other things for the stage where. Has never been quicker and crueler for someone to dismiss that work, hmm. and whether that has any impact on you and how you've combated that. Yeah, it's funny. I've been very lucky. Um, I haven't had that much kind of backlash. Mm. I was I was kind of told to prepare for it because it mm. is, you know, uh, as well as being about what it's about. It's also you know, in some ways, not the kind of poetry that um, people who have loved poetry for many, 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 many years mm. um, consider to be legit poetry. Mm, mm, mm. Um, but that's also part of what I'm trying to do. I think, like, uh, I always think of I'm trying to yank the brow down because um, I'm. Like I love, I love a lot of you know the classics. Like I studied, mm. I studied English literature, um, but it's not that's not the kind of poetry that I want to write. Um, and also, I can do what I want. <laughs> um, what is it? What? Where did we come from? I'm sorry, I keep losing track. I, I'm um, I'm talking to you uh, specifically uh, around the the idea of opening yourself up for criticism. Yeah. Uh, and 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 if you have had at various points, a somewhat precarious mental state, mm. then doesn't that make you more... Vo- like, yeah. you know, like people struggle with it anyway. Mm. And so... I am a very sensitive baby. I just haven't... Um, I just... Yeah, I haven't been exposed to too much. You've been lucky so far. I've been lucky so far. <laughs> which is great. Um, and, it is. and it speaks to the most important thing in criticism, though, which is if the work's fucking good. Yeah. Then you're okay. Well, you know, yeah. Like that to me, that's the golden sort of rule. Like now, who gets to decide that? Yeah. The thing is, we all do, right? Like, and as as I say, it's never been easier and quicker and crueler to dismiss something. But if you're doing good work and people are telling you that and you believe in it, which is really the main thing. Yeah. Then you find your kind of groove ultimately. Yeah. Also, I'm extremely lucky that I'm coming in at a time like. You know, poetry is having mm. a time, mm. but also this particular path has been 
laid by Hera and mm. Taitable, you know, and they've mm. taken I was a whole lot of hits. I was going to mention them, and, yeah. and, and I guess not that she's, well, not that any of you are particularly similar, you're all doing your own thing, of course, but Ashley Young is another name in mm. poetry, and I know she's had some impact on your, yeah. some involvement oh, yeah. in yeah, your yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was think those names, those three names in particular, I was thinking like, you mentioned, so you know, getting introduced to Sylvia Plath mm. and Carol Ann Duffy, mm. and it's like, well, there's three names right there that they are, I guess, carrying on that tradition or something. You know, they yeah. are the new, they are some of the new voices yeah. that will inspire the Laura Rangers of tomorrow. Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and already yourself, are, yeah. And yourself as well. You're in there. Yeah, that's, that, it feels so cool to be like with these other women. Mm. But you were saying that, yeah, the likes of Tay and, and Hera have, I guess, trod the path a little bit before you. Yeah, been a little yeah. bit maybe shock absorbers. Um, Cleared your way for, somewhat. For, yeah. for others to yeah. follow, which is, you know, um, which are, they, um, I don't know, they're just such gifts to New Zealand mm, writing because mm. they've just opened up. Not just, it's not just that they bring other writers with them and give it, they, like, both Hera and Tay have um, have kind of brought brought me up a bit, um, mm-hmm. and and there's this kind of I think there's a, a a growing culture of writers bringing other writers with them, mm. um, especially like in New Zealand. It just se- it seems so. What's the word? Like there's this camaraderie that's yeah. It's less. Lovely. I mean, it's it's less overtly competitive than it yeah. used to seem. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's because um, the all of the processes, the, the the criticism and the publishing platforms are arguably more open than they used to be. Yeah. So, yeah, people don't feel as lofty for reaching, yeah, hard. A, you know, a vaunted position. Yeah, and I think like here in Tay, and yeah, I think of, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of people, but I think of mm, here in Tay, mm. especially with. Uh, thinking about like the kind of vibe of my work, which is mm, mm. Um, break, you know breaking some rules, um, but you know they've already been broken, and mm, mm. Um, I know that like here I got a lot of backlash, um, you know, which we all saw happening. But she was also getting built up as well because because it's so fun. She just made it so accessible, and then everyone who wants it to be elitist is like fuck this, mm, um, mm. Uh, which is. I don't know, yeah, groundbreaking, you know, making us, making I, us safe. I watched her read at a uh, a gig a couple of years ago. She was like the opening act for a musical actor. It was Elders Harding, actually. And, oh, yeah, um, wow. And, uh, I mean, I don't like Elders Harding myself, but, um, and was put off her by that performance. Mm-hmm. But I was blown away by Hera's opening act. I yeah. was kind of like, man, this is... She's... This is some. I mean, I'd already read, you know, I'd read the book and seen some of her stuff that had been online and all of that, and knew knew about her work. But that particular performance was amazing. Yeah, she's she's a hero. She's a she's a hero. There are. I love it. I love that there are these New Zealand poets and and so many women as well mm, that mm. that are just so compelling to see and hear. Um, 
I just, yeah. And it's funny because, like... Well, none of you are getting up on the stage and going, I'm sorry this isn't Loris Edmund, but yeah. you know, there's none of that. Like, yeah, I mean, there I, is a... Like, I think, you know, there used to be the, that yeah, in New Zealand uh, poetry. There still you know? is. Yeah. And there still probably is in certain things, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is It is great to force yourself to, to kind of shove off the, the apology, the, mm. the inevitable apology that you feel. It's also, like agenda thing as well I think um but yeah I love to see poets just absolutely owning being a poet um and also like laughing at themselves for it but not in a putting themselves Mm, down mm, way mm. like I I I am very guilty of of constantly like roasting myself for being a poet because it's so nerdy Mm. um but also I love it, and it's a like there's a there's a there's a love in 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 roasting it. I think as a form, um, yeah, yeah. I think so. I used to really struggle with um, this with my own stuff. I used to really struggle with the idea that I could even call them poems. Mm, yeah, you know, and I think maybe a lot of poets and that you have to be like I'm a go poet. through that. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> feels so embarrassing shaking off the title. And I and I've had that before with being a critic and a reviewer as well. Mm. And you know, I've 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 always just liked the title writer. Yeah, because I do a bunch of different writing. Yeah, and so I like that. But then, yeah, sometimes you realise well, it's you know, if I'm going to release a book of poems then I'm at least under that umbrella. I am a poet. Yeah. And it's funny that, you know, that it should take some kind of... I'm actually, I'm actually fine with it, but it took a long time yeah, hard. to be fine with it. I, um, I take great pleasure if I am uh, flying internationally to put writer in yeah, my yeah, occupation. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, fuck the haters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, instead of unemployed, which, you know, I, I am. Mm. But um, in a in a very kind of uh, society's view sense. Well, that was going to be my question next, was uh, how you haven't always been unemployed. No. No. So how have you balanced work with creative work and life and whatever else is getting thrown up in the way? Has that been a tricky fit for you or has that been quite comfortable at times? Um, I go, I, I, I lose the plot if I'm working full time because mm-hmm. I don't have time to do my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I actually feel like incapable of working full time. Um, and I, and I haven't for a long time. The, there's only two times in my life where I've had a full time job, um, one of them <laughs> lasted a week. Um, I was like, I had a really supportive boss who um, I was like working up to full time because I was like dealing with my mental health. Um, and then I eventually got to it and then I was like, no, can't do it. Like it was so hard. Um, and then I had a, another full time job for, for nearly a year. And I was like, I can do it because it's just a year. Um, it was like a maternity leave cover. And I loved the job. Um, and I was like, I'm saving money, but I do need, I do need to have freer time where I work, where I do my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, I get frustrated when I'm only doing other people's work, which is like, 
his, that's that's whatever that is. Um, but also, like, I can work full time on like a show, or I can work full time if I'm if I can do my stuff, or if I'm doing creative stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I really need to be doing that, or I I do just actually go crazy. Mm. Um, uh, and that has been yeah, it, it is really really difficult. Um, I can't manage it. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I haven't had. So there's a, been a a, a, a gradual realization, yeah. essentially, that yeah. and a lot of like, a lot of self-loathing mm. related to that mm. because I'm sure people people want you to be gainfully employed and yeah, you're, you're um, not contributing. Yeah, you're not, you're not a you know. Yeah, and I feel a lot of yeah. I've had a lot of like, oh god, I'm just the worst. Like I'm not contributing anything. Except then I have to be like, oh, but I'm contributing art, mm. um, which is necessary. But like. It's very hard to accept that that is something that I have to do. But that was a thing that also that I talked about a lot in therapy. And um, people have needs. People have different kinds of needs. And one mm. of my needs is that I have to be making things. Mm. Um, or I have to be, you know, uh, in a, you know, as a person who makes things, mm. um, you also have to have periods where you're not making things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I often kind of fairly crudely put it as, you know, as long as you're not hurting yeah. anyone else or yourself, whatever stops you from putting a bullet in your brain or anyone else's is, is it's ultimately good. a good thing. It is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's, that's what sort of, that's the realisation that needs to occur for people. Yeah. Like, well, it's very interesting now with the... So we haven't really talked too much about the um, pandemic lockdown, given mm-hmm. that that's when we were going to meet and now we're meeting on the other side of that. How did you uh, keep yourself from climbing the walls, or did you just film yourself climbing the walls? I did film myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I did, yeah, I did do that a lot, especially at the start. Um, I because I but had, that's not a new thing. You've always done like little vlogs and stuff, yeah, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, were you an early adopter vlogger? No, I, no. Actually, I. Um, an 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 old boyfriend of mine, a great friend, um, kind of inspired my um, my entry to YouTube. And like, it's not I'm not I've never been like an actual YouTuber or a blogger mm, at all mm. in the slightest. Um, but I did make <laughs> um, I made a scream vlog, um, mm. which uh, yeah, and I to confuse some people. Oh yeah, which I yeah, which I love. I, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm also I'm like I'm like should I take that down? But I'm like because I was like quite I was in a very rough time at that time. But also I I just kind of love it. I'm like yeah, it's a little a little um. Those are selfies from the folder that you can show people. Oh yeah, or that people can find. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is as you say, which is good and bad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. um, but. Yeah, so during lockdown, I it was it was strange because I had I had big plans for this year, like twenty twenty. Mm. I was like, it's gonna be my year. Mm. Um, I had I was, had a lot of like festival and stuff I was gonna do and big projects. I was and the book came out and the book was launched. Yeah, so that all happened. That was so great. I'm so glad we got to do yeah, the launch. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty lucky com- a- compared to some people that have. Hell yeah had things shelved or just silently slipped out into the world. So you got you had the party. You we got had to the celebrate party. it. You didn't get to do the show and the tour, mm. but that but can got, still happen. 
yeah. on the track. Yeah, yeah. And you got um, the main thing. You got the you gave birth. I would have been very unhappy. If, yeah. Um, yeah, I really feel for um, people who that have been affected in that way because it is so. It's such and a momentous thing. And will thing. continue to be basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like it's, it's so cool to have achieved a goal and then be able to really celebrate it and people get behind you and it feels so good. It was mm. such a great like because it was I did mine my launch with Amon and Amon mm. is one of my very very best friends in the world and mm. it was just this it was so special I'm so grateful yeah I haven't read his that. book yet but I'm really it's looking for I've got it I'm really looking forward to reading it it, it it felt like it should have been the right thing to read during lockdown yeah. actually, but I didn't quite get to it yeah um, I it's, might take it away this weekend it's so funny and so bleak um, my favourite things our books feel like mm, so um, they were, siblings or cousins. I was going to say they're like um Looking at similar things through, you know, just two different yeah. people's approach to it, right? To yeah. The topic in a way. Yeah. They, they, and yeah, it's quite, it's lovely because it feels like, uh, you know, when you have a cousin who's a similar age to you and you grow up together and it's awesome, um, feels like that's what will happen with our books. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. Cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was, that, that really, um, probably helped me accept the um the disappointments of of, mm. of not getting mm. through the other things like I didn't really experience crushing disappointment which I kind of would have expected maybe but like it was partly the fact that everyone everyone lost so much mm. Mm. and so it was like oh well okay yeah it came pr- pretty quickly it became hard to harbour a personal grudge against, yeah. you know, like I started starting to say, I broke my glasses a week or so before lockdown, and I am still wearing taped up glasses <laughs> that I have been taping both arms every, every day. <laughs> now, the, the fortunate thing is, obviously, eight, sort of seven or eight weeks of, of not really being seen. Yeah. But also just going, fuck it, like if that's my biggest problem. Yeah. Like it was really easy to get over it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they still work. I don't give a shit. And I've now, I'm now out the other side. And when I do get new glasses, it's going to be like the best Christmas ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. going to be like I've won a golden ticket to the. Exactly. <laughs> to Everything the feels entry. incredible now. Yeah. So, you know, that was my little thing. And I imagine lots of people had their little disappointments that day one, two, three, they really kind of held on to and then they sort of went, well, you know, yeah. what of this? Yeah, I, um, it, it was, it was interesting because I, yeah, I did have this really busy year planned mm. and I was, and I felt very, fulf- I was super busy and doing a lot of work. Um, it wasn't always getting paid for, um, but I didn't mind that because I don't really, it's fine, and it's like yeah, that hasn't, my learning. Clearly, it. hasn't been a massive motivator. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and my yeah, my my mum has has made her peace with that, which is great. Like I'm not I'm not driven. What was the secret there? Was having a parent um, make their peace with that? Um, I think she just realised that acceptance. I, yeah, I'm like she. Ah, oh, I love my family. They're just so great. They're so they're so fucking nice to me. Um, um, she was just like, oh, that's your, that's your thing you have to chase, and you're like, yeah, my. So like, in some ways, I am career driven in the way that like mm, she is, mm, but mm. but my the career I want is not about, um, 
achieving stability in my, st- in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. my life or anything. No, 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 I relate to that very much. Yeah, yeah no, no, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and she just was like, yeah, that's gonna, that's what's going to make you happy, so you have to do it. And, um, that's really nice. But what were we... Where did you, what, where were you were we talking going? about the busy year and the, oh, yeah. the, the hijacking of that that, yeah. that everyone's had on yes. some level, but you had a busy year planned, so you've... Had a busy year planned, which was very, very different to what it's a gonna, long time before that. <laughs> yes, yeah. Because I'd... Like, and I I found myself, um, I I felt so fulfilled for a bit there and was like, oh, wow, I'm really like, I'm starting to really live the life that I, Mm. that I dream of. Um, And so that was really exciting and cool. And then, yeah, it's funny because it was kind of like, okay, it was taken away. But it does also feel like, and I've talked to a lot of friends about this, it feels like something that I've been training for for 10 years, you know. Like, Mm-mm. I know how to be unable to leave the house and just yes. have to fill my days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And attempt not to go insane. Yeah. Or uh, <laughs> already be insane and attempt not to let that, like, ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it almost felt very natural to to go into this, the kind of slump that it had to be. I was very good at forgiving myself for not being productive. Mm. Um, but also I played with my Lego heaps. That was, which I bought, I bought, I, I got really obsessed with Lego a few depressive episodes ago. Um, and it was like a gift from my past depressed self to my future, not depressed, but acting the ways mm. you act in a depression self. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I played with my Lego heaps. I got, got very drunk a lot, smoked a lot of weed. Um, I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if that's the kind of thing. I talk about it all the time, so it doesn't matter. You can, I mean, it's going to get voted in this year, so. Yeah, do you, you know. think? Yeah, of course so. Do you really? Because yeah, I'm totally. S- I mean, how are people going to go through another fucking lockdown without? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they've, they've been through a lockdown. They trust yeah. the government. Yeah. And so now they're going to vote for, you know, whatever keeps people happy and not fucking looting and murdering if there's another lockdown, which there will be at yeah. some point. There's going to be another spread of this or another pandemic. Yeah. Or a financial collapse on such a level that people have people to are just stuck at home yeah um so i hope know. i yeah i mean i hope so i'm just also well are you hope there will be all of that or you hope that no 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 i hope it'll get legalized um but also i think that's just me crystal balling i you know there's a lot of i don't know i like i think of course it will pass mm. because it has to because that makes sense but i also think that there are there's a lot of backwards thinking about mm. specifically about drugs and specifically about marijuana. Mm. Um, now this is not I, this is not me with my judging hat on. As you can see, I've got my Boston Celtics hat on. <laughs> um, what um, what do you think about? You obviously enjoy it, but what do you think about drinking and marijuana in terms of the fragility of your mental health? Are they helpful to you? Weed has saved my life. Yeah. Um, on numerous occasions. And have you suffered judgments around that? Like, have you had to justify that? Or you just know yourself it works and you haven't been bothered by people about that? Because I'm just sort of yeah. understanding there's various stigmas around it. And it can be catastrophic for people. It can, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. it has actually, like, in the past has has triggered mania, which was not right. great. Yeah. Um, but, so I have to, like, be careful about it. Mm. 
but the fact is, like, th- there have been times in my past where I have, like, self-harmed a lot, um, and uh, there was a, there have been times in my life where I'm, like, I've had to impose a rule on myself that I'm not allowed to drink alone, because it just led to me hurting myself, but, um, I've never hurt myself when I've smoked weed, um, like, so it used to be this, it used to be almost like a safety, um, uh, and also the, the main thing that I think about with it is that I, obviously it it works completely differently for lots of people. Some people Mm. can't smoke it because it makes them anxious. For me, um, if I'm really, really anxious or if I'm in a deep, painful depression, um, it, what, it doesn't make me not depressed it just makes me able to look at my feelings and it, it, this sounds a little bit fucking stonery, whatever, but I can look at my pain in a way that I can see it as beautiful um, mm. it helps me it, it helps me in, in, in many ways it helps me actually enact my therapy, I find because I can it helps me look at what's what's happening to me and you can appreciate correct. it or see it as something that's like necessary. There's some a thing that you have to do is, is like mm. accept that you can't always be happy. Like it sounds like be, you can. Um, it's a mechanism to kind of correctly channel your overthinking. Yeah, tendency. Yeah, like it's if like you I have can, that tendency, then this is what that does for you. It, it, I guess filters that in a correct way yeah it helps me to reframe mm. things and mm. um and that is <gasps> valuable to me um so yeah it's hard because you know people people would generally prefer you to be able to do that without mm. um the use of our drug um and there's a lot of stigma around self-medication and it's like some of it's totally valid because it can really mess up your life but I'm pretty careful about it, and I think really hard about what I'm doing to myself. Um, and I just, I'm just, it's just good for me. Like, it just actually mm, is. It just works. It just, it's something that, and I just, it has. It's just saved my life a few times. Like, um, when I've been in the depths, it has saved me. And I'm like... How is that bad? How is how can it possibly be a bad thing? Whereas um, drinking is is different, I think. Drinking. Yeah, I think drinking always comes with a little bit more um, the potential for volatility. Yeah. yeah, yeah, volatility and also like if I drink a lot, there's it, some version can... of drunk dialing going on. It <laughs> might not actually be a drunk dial, but you know that's the metaphor yeah that there's a drunk, drunk dial your there's depression a, there's a drunk <laughs> dial up. going on somewhere though like yeah, yeah. It, yeah as a result of drinking yeah like and it can make you it can make me feel really good for a bit but mm. also if i if i drink heaps and uh, say if i like binge two nights in a row i'll generally mm. have a real low after a few days later mm. um so yeah that's something it's just like i'm just like I haven't I'm much had a, at thinking. I haven't had a drink for the longest time in my life. Really? Um, I don't know how long it is, but it's about as we're talking. It's probably about 
14 weeks. Wow. And it's fucking great. Yeah, I bet. But I'm, you know, I used to be really good at drinking and I might be again, so there's no judgment. But it's just working for me. I'm just enjoying it. But, um, you know, I used to think drinking was fantastic. Mm. And I'm real happy for anyone if it works for them still. But my experience has always been that there's that potential for a volatile edge. Yeah. With that far more than anything else. Yeah, it's so... It is so lucky that I am so stable now, like in time for lockdown, mm. because I, I, when I think about if, if I had been, you know, even how I was a year ago, but yeah. if I, if I was how I was a year and a half ago, I would have been in danger, like serious yeah, danger. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I feel quite stressed when I think about people who are in, mm. in position and really vulnerable mental states during this time mm. or it, and emotional states in yeah. terms of you know people they're living with or, or, yeah. or no longer living with whatever the whatever side of the coin that is and stuff yeah, yeah i thought about that a lot and and with regard to my not drinking it was just a choice something to try um and i think like i i just had done it for just long enough before the lockdown I think, right. I think maybe if I had only been about 10 days into it that could have been quite ugly and quite right. messy and I might have been quite panicked about not having supplies of my particular poison of then mm. but lockdown came and went and I didn't give a fuck it That's was, great. and that was one less thing to worry about you know I had, my, bro- I had my broken glasses to contend with <laughs> that, was, that was enough like yeah. you know I didn't need to worry about where the next drink was was or wasn't coming from That's but really I did good. think about that with a lot with, with with other people like I think I feel like that was a good thing to have come from the lockdown the, the sense that you know my life didn't change that much mm. like I just didn't have school pickups and drop-offs that was honestly the main thing that changed yeah. I couldn't do podcasts which I like doing mm. I couldn't have people around to meet and talk to and I like doing that yeah but that's a, that's a luxury and a small thing. Um, everything else was pretty similar. Mm. But really we were all kind of placed in about as much of the same boat as a relatively civilised modern society can be yeah. for, the, for the first time in anyone's lives. Yeah, you know, globally. Yes, there, were pe- there are people wealthier. Yes, there are people struggling and there were some news stories that weren't helpful and some stories didn't even make the news and all of that. But... On a basic level, you could actually try and extend your empathy out to mm. the idea that I wonder how that person's coping. I wonder how they're doing, and it gave you pause to reflect. Yeah, yeah. You know, I felt I sort of felt like that was a a good thing about it. Yeah, definitely. I I love it when people are kinder to each other. Although the flip side was like I felt like people got less. Friendly to strangers, like <laughs> yeah, it was waves. I thought it was real yeah. waves. Like the first, um, I did a lot of walking uh, mm. as, as everyone did, but with a, with a kid, with a, well, as a lot of you people did, but with a kid and a dog, it yeah. was kind of and with, with with a whole family in a house, mm. we had to schedule walks. And I do a lot of walking anyway, but um, yeah, I noticed there were waves of people being friendly to one mm. another, mm-hmm. waving out wanting to stop and have a chat uh, or just, you know, just small talk and then just heads down after about a week, like we're yeah. done with that, just mm. heads down and don't fucking bother me. And then with the announcement of the level three, there was sort of like a, a, a wiggle in everyone's stride again. Yeah. It was really funny. So true. Yeah. So true. Really funny. I was kind of like, the, because I never, I, I should have gone for more walks than I did, um, but 
I was always kind of a, a front. I think I went for like two actual um, <laughs> dedicated walks that went just to the supermarket to get a clean mm. skin. Um, but <laughs> but when when people like avoided my gaze, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like Wellington, <laughs> where are you? What's going on? It's like I live in Island Bay. Like you, I mean, but I think it's a thing in Wellington. Normally, like if you walk past someone you smile, you say hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like a thing, which I love about Wellington and about New Zealand. I don't know. I just love it as a thing. Um, but yeah, when people started avoiding my gaze, I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and like, if I had, I would try and when I had to get out of the way of people in like narrow paths, I'd like, I'd like embrace the comedy of it. And if they didn't as well, then I was like, oh. but hang on. You said, uh, walks to get a clear skin like were you coming back with more than one or were you thinking you were working some bottle exchange is that, is that why they were maybe um, <laughs> not <laughs> no I'm specifically thinking about my two walks in your the bush actual, your actual bush walks right? yeah which yeah. just I just they made me laugh so much and I was like everyone should be laughing at how funny this is well I think the good thing with it was uh, well the good thing with an unprecedented time mm. is hopefully people didn't beat themselves up too much no. about you know when you're just saying I could have gone for more leave. more more walks and people ate or drank too much or whatever yeah like you made it yeah hopefully yeah and um that's good enough yeah right? like I yeah I think that's the main thing that I felt like I'd trained for is like I'm so good at forgiving myself for like writing mm, off a day mm. because I've had to do it a lot so much yeah um and so I was just like yeah this is the reality this is what I have to do I have to just fucking chill mm. um which is like um was very lucky that I could actually do that mm. and I didn't have um yeah totally I mean I, I thought you know I mean I remember you emailed me and said words the effect of I guess we're not going to do this unless you want to um you know work out a way to do a Skype thing or whatever otherwise I'll see you on the other side and I thought fantastic like I don't I've got no problem with people doing Skype podcasts and, and that started mm. and I've been listening to them from other people mm. and doing a really good job of it, but it was just, it's just not something I wanted to do. Yeah. So the forced break was really good for me. Yeah. Like, uh, cause I just do it as it's just a new habit for me. I just get people around and talk to them and I, I'm, in, I'm interested in them and I want it to happen, mm. but it, it almost has a by rote, feel to it in some sense each each conversation is different mm. like uh, if they weren't I would have given it up mm. but it was good to be forced into a break yeah and so that's just a thing you know I'm now coming out the other side of that and going well I've got a, a hunger for that again yeah. like I'd want to meet people and talk to, and reconnect with people I already know and talk to people again in this capacity and if I'd switched on the the Zoom machine and worked out recording that way, that could have been good, but it could have changed my relationship uh, with how I do the podcast mm -hmm. um, to its detriment. Yeah. You know? And I, yeah. I, that, I can get that. That seems. <gasps> Yeah, old Zoom fatigue and stuff. It's yeah, that was another thing that happened, wasn't it? Like yeah. everyone, everyone jumped to it to begin with. Oh my then, god! And it was exciting. Like a big flood of online festivals. Buzzy, and then it's like, eh, I'm not, I'm not answering that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not agreeing to that one. Yeah, I'm not seeking that one out. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of that. Hey, we've had a big old chat. So is, big. <laughs> is there anything that you wished I'd asked you uh, that you came prepared with and I haven't? No. 
Do no. You want to, do you want to read something to finish? Read a, read a. I, was, I, I did want to comment on um, how great the titles are of Thank the poems. You. <laughs> that you can actually read the table of contents of your book, which we should say is called Head Girl. Um, you can read the table of contents not so much as its own poem, but certainly as a source of enjoyment. <laughs> you can read the titles, I many of them, most of them. Mm, that makes me very happy. I love, I love to get the right title. It just makes it's just such a, a special pleasure when something mm. clicks into place. Mm. Um, cool. What do, you, what do you want to read to finish? Let me. Oh, it's funny because there's some. Or well, you can that just I, read a bunch of titles if you like. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um. Favourite title? Oh, favourite title. Well, fav- you don't have to read the poem, but do you have a favourite title where you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, nailed that. I mean, I'm really, I really like, I'm so mentally strong in those yeah. tears. Yeah. But also, um, I really love my Backstreet Boys poems. There's, there's three, yes. <laughs> three, three poems with Backstreet Boys lyrics stolen for the titles. Because um, they, they bizarrely, exactly what I needed were Backstreet Boys lyrics. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I like, I like a lot of my titles. I'm 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 pleased with them. You're um, parentally proud of them, as, yeah. you, as you should be. My, yeah. my ickle children. Yeah. Um, um. I don't know what to read. Um. I don't know whether to read like. One of the one of the crazy Backstreet Boys ones. They're kind of fun to read. Yeah, go I'm on. Read one of those. But which one? It's so I don't know if I don't tell I don't <laughs> there's there's three sections and they're, they're each kind of moods to me um, but um, and the, the the Backstreet Boys poems are kind of the cornerstones of them maybe mm. um, maybe I'll read the last one the last Backstreet Boys poem, which is called All You People, Can't You See, Can't You See How Your Love's Affecting Our Reality. I mean, it's genius. Like, <laughs> they are geniuses, and I've just taken it. <laughs> they, they expressed exactly what I needed. Thanks, boys. Okay. I love to feel this way. I love to feel this medium way. I love to have become estranged from my menace, to have broken my vows to my menace, to have made a choice. This is a choice. This is not a random trickle from one section of time to the next. This is a new frontier. This is space travel. And I'm so grateful for the helmet. I'm so grateful for the suit. I'm so grateful for the steady supply of oxygen and that my face is no longer pressed into the earth. But I can't deny I find myself a little disturbed by all the other floating bodies populating my newly swollen field of vision but there is a blindness too there is a feeling of blindness there is a feeling of feeling my way backward around a room in the dark a room in a large house in a different city I keep getting bruises huge bruises I keep falling over I keep getting a surprise but not the surprise I want I want a new kind of pain so I stop eating just to keep a little violence alive I sense a weirdness pricking at me but I talk over it I talk and talk I love to sit in a chair I love to widen my stance I love to put my hand on my knee and hold forth 
I can never tell enough of the truth. The truth just keeps getting faster like a car filled with criminals. I'm the man chasing it, but I'm out of shape. I have to slow to a stop before I expect to have to slow to a stop. I have to bend over to dry wretch as the tail lights round a corner. And I know I have let everyone down. Boy, have I been a letdown. I have dropped myself down into a very deep well and I am standing at the top staring in like a psychopathic child. I am watching myself falling down, down, down. The screams getting fainter, but up here I am just watching and there is a small smile playing about my lips. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Fun, kind of... fun one to read. Yeah, it's so, it's so yeah, fun yeah. to read. Um, well, thank you for coming to visit and meeting me and agreeing to chat and thank you for writing that book. Thank you for having me <laughs> and thank you for reading it. on TV, words for books, words of comfort, words of peace, words to make the fighting cease, words to tell you what to do, words are working hard for you, eat your words but don't go hungry.